Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. My guest today is Michelle Gay. She uses the pronoun she, her, hers. Michelle is a business consultant who is passionate about bringing out the best in people in businesses. She uses creative ways to partner with her clients to create resilient and sustainable businesses where people thrive. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you. So I just like want to dive right in. Um, so we'll do, we'll, we'll talk more about like how you got to this in a bit, but like one of the things that I really, really wanted to chat with you about is values. I think I've taken maybe four values exercises with you. Like I clearly can't get enough. Uh, so how did, how, why, why do you even teach businesses on values and help them to uncover those? I feel that values are our personal North Star. So if they're our personal North Star, they're our business's North Star. And they're a great way to hire and motivate people um, to be focused in the same direction. So when I work with people to hire people, we focus around the values of the company so that we know that we're hiring people who have diverse experience and are interested in going in the same direction. Awesome. Okay. Let's go backwards. How did you figure that out? It came to me. Okay. Uh, you've been working with businesses for many years before you started consulting. Like you ran some organizations and uh, helped them to achieve, you know, all of their pretty normal business goals, sales, things and whatnot. And so did it, did it come, when did it come to you then or when you were working with your clients as a consultant? So I feel like it was always something that I worked with, but not necessarily in a focused way. And then one day when I was sitting at a coffee shop and I had a workshop to plan, always me in a coffee shop, and I had a workshop <laughs> to plan, all of a sudden it just came to me. I was like, oh, we actually need to put a lot of um, construct around this so that I can help people tap into what their what their core is, and it really has evolved from in a much more um, cohesive and I guess constructive way from that point. I want to ask this question? I have worked with, and you know, you hear stories uh, of organizations that have like their committee that's chosen to, you know, so this is an established organization, been around for a number of years, pick a number, 5, 10, 50, whatever it could be, any number of years. And they uh, realize they need a refresh on, on their core in some way. Maybe it's for branding. Maybe it's to really align their mission. Like, for example, right, the March of Dimes um, eradicated, what was their original charge? Polio, right? And they eradicated polio. And, and, and so clearly they need, they're still around. They pivoted. They had to like realign and figure <laughs> out what their new mission was. This happens all the time. Organizations go through shifts and changes and whatnot. So anyway, for an organization who like chooses maybe a small committee representative of the many, maybe not, and they come up with the values, the mission, and the visions, and they're all excited and they go to plaster it out. So then when it comes down to the people who are on the line doing some level of the work of the company, and they're like, hand them a piece of paper, here, post this at your cubicle to keep you motivated. And it literally means nothing to that employee. 
Can you, like, you tend to come at organizations differently, but I'm, I'm so curious, like, what's missing from that piece is the buy-in from the other employees, right? They feel no attachment to this thing that some obscure committee created. How do you get around that? How do you, how do you do something differently? Well, I think that that is work that starts from the outside in Mm -hmm. and the work has to start from the inside out and that there are so many businesses who have those posted that they don't actually believe that practice that in their companies And they post values without truly defining them and creating, developing or documenting actions that really would uphold those values. So an employee isn't going to know how to translate that because we haven't created common language. And so a big piece of this is really creating common language within the company before you even start to talk about it outside your company. So... How do you coach the businesses you work uh, with in creating that common language? We, um, we take a full day and we do a big workshop in the beginning about um, creating the values. And we talk through the why of every value that they come up with. And we usually do it with a team so that it's not just one voice. Mm-hmm. And because then you have multiple voices who are going to take this and infiltrate it within the company and be able to uphold it. So you have many role models Mm -hmm. and then we incorporate it into every single thing that they, that they write for their company. It's in their handbook. It's a piece. It's something they walk through with new hires. They demonstrate how they practice them. When we're going through disciplinary processes, we come back to that. So for an organization who didn't start out that way, like getting at uh, how, how, um, how can, what are some of the steps that they could take to reorient? Like, so let's say they're a little ways off from having that day where they can set aside and do all of that work. Um, how, how can they rally their employees to begin the conversation to get people aligned. So like, so they realize they're, they're in a boat, right. And they have the general, that kind of thing, probably more widgets or more products so that the company can sustain itself in some way, but they don't have that North star. They haven't defined that North star. So they're sort of swimming maybe without a paddle, right. In in this boat together, but they all, there's a general acceptance. Well, let's go with that, that they all want to be in that same boat together, but they need to be able to figure out the direction. And usually small businesses, right. You got the person who started the organization or has landed on it and they're sort of, you know, the boss, right. In charge or whatever. So like how, um, would you coach the boss to coach their employees to begin to be open about having that conversation? The first thing I would really do is I would take, I would have that owner sit down with each one of their employees and ask them why they work here and what the value is in this job to them. Because when you come at it from employee language, when you put so much time in that you're so far away from the roots it allows you to start to get back there and to create those relationships that will then create an access point for you to be able to re um, realign everybody in the same direction. Awesome. I feel like I've had um, just an unfortunate time of working with organizations that haven't done that. <laughs> and, and then, you know, 
people in my circle who have had similar and they share these kind of stories. Right. And, and, uh, it, it's, it's a stereotype, you know, a cliche in our, in our world where you've got the, the disconnected boss and they, you know, whether, you know, they're the owner of an organization or they're the director of something that answers to a board, whether it's for profit or nonprofit, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and they, they don't, they tend, one of the caricatures that you see is that they're just out there to build their own resumes, right? And so maybe they're looking at the next thing or whatnot. And what I've observed happen is that employees will do their own thing. They know they, they will work to their job description. If it's uh, an organization where there's passion, usually like a nonprofit, right? And people are excited about the cause. They will support their individual program to the best of their ability and work around all of that. But what ends up happening is there's a lot of fracture and kind of strife within the organization. Uh, people want to be able to do their thing, especially when you're thinking of like, again, a nonprofit, right, where there's a lot of passion, people have maybe studied the thing that they're going to do, they maybe have had like a dream since they were younger, whether that was, you know, a dream they got when they were in college or has been carrying with them, and they want to be able to do that so they can leave their imprint in the world. But they're rudderless, there's no, there's no direction. Can you kind of like, I'd like to hear from your perspective on uh, the culture piece and why it's so important to have that tethered. It's important to have it tethered because without it, everybody's rudderless. There's not a direction that we're all going in. There's not a format to accentuate everybody's gifts. And you talk about that passion and what happens in those organizations that have not created a culture that really supports people's passions is people lose their passion and they become really bitter. And I can't tell you how many people I've run into and I've had the same experience where I came into this job because it seemed amazing. And I was going to get an opportunity to change the world in some small way. And three months in, 100% shut down. And that is because companies are saying one thing and doing another. And so that culture has to be interwoven throughout the entire organization. And owners and managers need to understand that their customer is their employee and that their job is to serve. And everyone's job in all of these companies is to serve. So if we're not coming each day to serve for the vision and uphold the values and all of that, we're not actually showing up. And this is also why um, I'm working towards developing a leadership course, because I think that we're really lacking in, in really good leadership because we take people and like, oh, you seem to be a go-getter. We're going to make you a manager. We didn't give them anything. They don't, they may not know how to really train people or, motivate people or even communicate well so they won't thrive in that position so then it becomes that ego driven i will just build my resume and the companies that are able to build a strong enough culture that helps ego move to the side when it's not useful 
those are the companies that are resilient and those are the companies that will thrive. And I think in all honesty that what we're looking at, you know, as we have moved through this interesting time in our society with COVID, you're seeing companies that they probably did not have a strong internal structure anyway. And so they aren't able to sustain something like a pandemic. Okay. A resilient company. What does a resilient company look like from the outside? So like, so I'm, I'm thinking of this from the perspective of, you know, a job seeker, right? And so they're like, I want to work with a place where I can sink my teeth into this role and work for, for a while. Maybe we've done away with the 30 year plans, but you know, for the next two to five years, right? So what should they look for? You want to really research the companies that, that you're going towards. And you want to look for companies that have pivoted with change because we have a long time ago it used to be that a company you'd work for a company for 30 years and that company would do the exact same thing for 30 years and they might change a little bit most likely they wouldn't change a lot and with the advent of all of our technology and our different forms of communication we have all of these different ways of functioning and so the companies that are resilient are the ones who are able to always stay focused on the infinite game. It's, we don't have an end game. We're intending on going on forever and are able to see when they need to pivot. And maybe it's they need to drop a product line or they need to add a product line or they um, need to scale back because times are tough and where they have opportunities for growth. And they're able to see all of that and cohesively work together with their team to get there. So it's not one person driving, there's some input from everybody so that you have this collective energy moving forward. I'm curious, if values and figuring out these cornerstone things are so important, why do you think people don't do it? I think that people don't do it because in our world, we only look at the tangible outcomes and this doesn't feel like a tangible outcome. It's also really heart-centric and soul-centric, and there's a lot of deep diving that needs to be done to get there. And as a society, we really try to avoid that. Even with all of our self-help and mindfulness and all of these things out there, we still try to avoid it because sometimes it hurts. Sometimes when you dig in there, it is not pretty, it hurts, you don't want to go there. And yet, these are the things that become healing. Let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, let's continue. Welcome back. Okay. I love that looking for the pivot and looking for organizations that have been able to successfully navigate. And I'm thinking of a a couple of examples. Uh, And I will drop links to those organizations or relevant things in the show notes when we're done. The one company, the name is totally escaped me, but it's out of Seattle. 
And uh, they are a credit card processor. One of the things that this organization pivoted with was equalizing the wages for the employees, where everybody is pay or the minimum wage to work there has turned to seventy thousand dollars. He started, um, you know, pretty normal pay structures, right? Like the base wage might have been around forty thousand dollars. And in conversations with friends and uh, employees, it became clear that living in the Seattle area at forty thousand dollars was not a livable wage. And so he has since raised the minimum wage to about $70,000 annually for a salary. And the uh, employees have stuck around. The organization has done better uh in in you know a couple years and I, I can't wait to continue to follow the organization to see how they pivot again but he was able to by taking care of his employees so showing that value of care and responsibility able to continue to foster a culture of people who wanted to continue to work for him and do their thing whether it's just processing the things or whatever it is there's another organization that I've been following here in in the Portland area since the owner did a TED talk a couple years ago and it's um, Kevin Cavanaugh. He did his TED talk on enough and it just, there were so many talks that day, but that is the one that I keep going back to and I keep remembering. And he shared a story uh, similarly of how he has been fascinated with this concept of enough and a value of what enough looks like. Uh, I'll drop the link again, like I said, to the the talk in the comments, because there's a lot that goes into it. But in this idea of pay, for example, he decided to equalize his organization. So he raised the wage similar to this other outfit, right? And then he had friends who kindly stepped on his toes and pushed back or like, are you sure? Are you sure you're really being equal enough here? And what he ended up doing is equalizing the entire like, so everybody's paid the same. All the bonuses are the same all, because he was recognizing and he has a smaller team, right? He has like five to seven people on his team. Um, but everybody from the person who answers the phones and filters the calls to like gets the sales, they all have an integral role to making this organization run. And without any one of those pieces, the thing falls apart. And so when I look at those organizations, they're able to like get in touch with their values, have this really amazing self-awareness where they're able to ask those questions and hear feedback from the people that they love and then make changes. Like I would sort of idolize or prop up in this moment in time, at least those two organizations as something that is responding to to the needs of our time and pivoting. Um, Do you have any other examples of something that you've noticed? Well, and I think um, I have five clients that I've been working with through this whole time, and every one of them has had to pivot in some way in order to to maintain keeping their doors open. And for some of them, they've scaled back and had to like rebuild in a different way. We have new um, angles of business. We have different ways we're taking care of people. You know, I have clients who have figured out how how they were able to be even being a really small company be able to give hazard pay to their employees and then figure out how they can just sustain that wage moving forward or what the compromise is moving forward so that we're not going all the way back to where we were but we're making more progress moving forward and i think one of the other things that's really crucial in these businesses is transparency so that everybody knows where the company is and why they're making the decisions. 
and getting feedback on that. Okay. I have this, this thought that's been brewing as we've been talking. So we've conversed before that there's a certain level of awareness that is sort of alluded to that a lot of your clients have, and they're, they're open to asking for help to get coaching from outside perspective to make their business grow. So they're open to being vulnerable and tender. So when you say, hey, I've observed now that I've been working with you that such and such isn't working, let's see if we can make a, a point so they can nurse their potentially bruised egos or whatever and, and, you know, and have that helpful environment. I am super fascinated about the people who aren't there yet. An organization is only as strong as its weakest link, right? Any kind of thing. And it's really sad when the bruised ego of a boss turns out to be that weakest link and they don't have the um, ability to see what sort of havoc they're wreaking. And then you end up with a power dynamic, right? So the employees can't say, hey, boss, your ego's bruised because they'll get shit canned. They'll be fired, right? And so what I'm curious about is if you are a friend of a person who is a boss and you're able to notice these kinds of things, if that's being shared with you, what kind of questions could you ask that individual to be able to help open them up to change? That is a good question. I think that where I would start if you were a friend is to really ask them what their goal is in the job, in their company, and to ask them, you know, what role that their employees play in helping them and supporting them. And a lot of times that, because of the work environment that we've had for so many years, businesses chew people up and spit them out. And then the people that got spit out are starting businesses that chew people up and spit them out. So it perpetuates. And when I go in and work with a client, I really start to with where is it you want to go? Great. Let's build a vision around that with values. And then let's sort through everything you already have to see what still helps that move forward. And that's how we start. So we don't start with here's all the things that are terrible. We start with, here's where you want to go. Let's see what's going to support that. And let's get rid of everything else. Let's clean house. It's okay. And um, I think that going about it in a way that really is, here's some really amazing things that you're doing. Let's, let's hold on to those. And let's just get rid of the rest. Really take someone in a more positive light versus saying you're doing all these things wrong. Because you're talking to a person who's already been punched in the gut. Why would you do it again? (laughs) You're just going to eventually get punched back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in doing that, you're able to really build rapport. So I think anyone going in and wanting to help someone, I think one, first ask if they're open for help, because if they're not, all of your words and energy is falling on deaf ears. And I think that in our society, we want to help everybody and fix everything. That's really not our place. Unless we have an invitation, it's not our place. So, um, you know, I think that if someone is really open to really start to help them really sort out where they want to go, how their people support them, what they're afraid of. 
because I think when we can talk about fears and bring them in the open, they don't get to hold such a big space within us. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all have in the society a lot of money fears, and those really are inhibiting. And when we really dive into those money fears, they come from something else. They come from places where we may not have felt accepted or we felt lack or we felt um, just a lot of different emotions and it creates a fear. And so we're very fearful of not having money. And for a business to really be resilient, it's really important to come to a place where you understand that sometimes you're going to have a lot and sometimes you're not going to have a lot. And it's about what you do with it and how you move forward and how you support your people that will get you somewhere. It's kind of like investing. It's a long game. <laughs> okay. You thankfully made the reference to this awful cycle of uh, spitting, chewing people up and spitting them out. And I heard maybe you don't want that cycle to perpetuate. Like maybe you would like to see that cycle end. Oh my gosh, that I feel like that is my dream for the world. Tell us more. <laughs> for businesses, I just business is businesses have this amazing opportunity as a platform to really build people up and help them shine within the context of the job. And there's nothing that makes my heart light up more than when a client comes to me and says, you know what? I think I'm okay now. I think I can do this. I've got this. We figured it out. And they're ready to go off on their own and wholly support people. And they have a team that has been with them for a while. And they know how to send people on their way when it's their time. Because that's okay, too. Not everybody fits. And not everybody fits for the long run. Some people might come along to this one growth point and then the company grows beyond where this person's ready to grow. And in those respects, it's only fair to let them go and to help them find their way. So and that is, those are the things that light me up. It's just to see people really finding their space and being able to contribute to watching something grow and know that they have a voice and they're valued and that the work that they come and do every day is important. The world would look so much differently if uh, we had more organizations doing that. Yeah. So where can people find you? People can find me on my website, mm -hmm. which is culturerevision.com. Mm -hmm. You can find me here and there on Instagram. <laughs> and those are the two places right now where you can really, really awesome. find me. Awesome. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. So I always ask my guests, uh, because this is just, I'm, you know, like my list, give us three to five things. Like if you're hearing this conversation and you're getting curious about where you can start to align your own self, and then maybe your work, what are the three to five things that individual should start doing? Mm. Spend some good quality time with yourself and 
ask yourself what really lights you up and what doesn't and why. And after you ask why one time, ask it again and ask it again and ask it again. Because there you'll find the root as to why you want to do what you want to do. All of us have a job to change the world in some way. It's not all big and flashy. Sometimes it's a tiny little thing. So honestly, that is the very first thing I would do. Really suggest. Spend time with yourself. <laughs> ask yourself what lights you up uh -huh. and ask it again and again and again. Yes. That's four things, right? <laughs> and then take that uh -huh. and find three to five values that align with that. And then define those for yourself. What are they? What are they not? And then how do you practice those daily? And they don't have to be big things. It could be something like I practice kindness by smiling at everybody that I meet. I practice kindness by thinking of ways to serve myself. Mm. That's awesome. I'm so grateful that you got to spend time with me today. I am grateful also. Balance Shared is curated by me, Michelle Lassley. Ezra Meredith is our producer. The instrumental music Grass by Silent Partner is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's episode, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a supporter. Email hello at michellelassley.com to get your sponsorship guide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.